Uh, hello, my name is Matt. Am I, am I low again, Bird? You were. You're. You're. That. Yeah. You know what? Just. Just. Why don't we just redo that? Yeah, I, I was gonna say. Just follow my lead here. <laughs> hello, welcome to the. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, well, this will be our cold open. Okay. And for those of you who don't know, Tom also uh, is now the host of his own podcast, the Final Forum uh, Dragon Ball uh, uh, Contest. Do you... uh, (laughs) Contest? God damn it. I told you guys I was flustered. All right. Tom did is... you drop your microphone while you were talking? Yes. It was yes, a double I did. whammy. He dropped the microphone while he was giving the wrong name for your show. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll have to cut around this. Alright, welcome back to the Kaiju Transmissions Podcast. I am your co-host, Kyle Bird, and with me... And I'm Matt Parmley. Yes. You just do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it is October. Not right now, but while you are listening to this, it will be October, which means it's a spoopy season here at KT. Um, As always, we have our, uh, well, kind of podcast regular guest host, uh, but spoopy season full-time host, um, Tom, welcome back. Glad to be here. And Once again, uh, during Tomtober. Yes. Tom is also the host of his own podcast, <laughs> the Final Forum Dragon Ball <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Tom, why don't you tell us, do you have anything... Uh, do you have anything special planned for October this year? Yeah, so uh, if you're listening to this and it's it's you know we're in October already, we may or may not have episodes up already. Uh, we're gonna stick stick with our usual two full episodes a month. Um, then we're each gonna do a a mini episode, is what I'm calling it, where one of them will be just me, one of them will be just Bikini, my co-host, and. What we're going to do for the two full episodes, I'm still working on what we're going to do for the minis, but what we're going to do for the two full episodes is break away from Dragon Ball completely and talk about things that other drag that Dragon Ball creators worked on. Uh, the, the idea for Halloween being you can't really do too much Dragon Ball Halloween stuff. There's only so many times you could say, like, oh, Freeze is the scariest character, but you can go with the theme of like costumes and say, let's talk about when Dragon Ball creators and people worked on other things. So 
Uh, we're going to do a Godzilla 1985 slash Godzilla Returns uh, copy because Akira Toriyama has about a 1.5 second role in the movie as an extra. And then we are going to try to talk about the anime Don Dracula, because one of the animators or I believe directors of Dragon Ball was the uh, same role on that anime as well. All right. Um, and also Dracula, Halloween, vampires. Yeah. All that good stuff. That's true. Um, I bet Dracula likes Halloween. Why wouldn't he? Anyway, um, and uh, another frequent guest host, but uh, first appearance on here in a little bit, we have our good buddy uh, Trev um, of the Days of Future podcast, X-Men podcast, and Failure to Franchise podcast. Trev, welcome back, and uh, do, you. You have, do you have anything... Uh, special, because you, like me, are a, a big horror guy. Uh, do you have mm-hmm. anything special planned on your shows uh, for October? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't know yet what will happen for, um, as of this recording, we haven't really finalized what our Halloween uh, episode will be for Days of Future Podcast. This, this is getting harder and harder for us every year. We kind of, If you listen to our episodes, we kind of make a joke about it, how uh, it's kind of like what Tom just said about Dragon Ball. There's only so many Halloween-related X-Men stories, so... And we've pretty much used them all up. So we're always trying to find another, uh, like, spoopy take on it. And we'll, we'll find something. Um, for Failure to Franchise, in October, we will be wrapping up our multi-month Fall Back to the 80s event. So uh, for those who don't know, Failure to Franchise is a show where uh, Chris and I, my co-host Chris, we look at films that were meant to start uh, film franchises and did not, never got any sequels. And for the last couple of months, we've been doing Fall Back to the 80s. We've been looking exclusively at 80s movies that did not spawn franchises, even though they were meant to. So we did Flash Gordon, Buckaroo Banzai, Streets of Fire, um, Remo Williams, and Masters of the Universe. But as we get closer to Halloween, we are going to be doing, we're going to end that event with Shocker, the Wes Craven <laughs> slasher film that was meant to be his new kind of Freddy Krueger and, and didn't quite take off. And then I don't want to say too much, but uh, maybe also just keep your uh, your feeds open because there might be an, an additional Halloween surprise from us uh, after the Shocker episode as well. All right. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we, we ran into the same problem as you guys very quickly because, like, I think our first Halloween or two season, we were like, okay, you know, Frankenstein conquers the world and, you know... <laughs> The and you know all the yeah the yeah Matango like the obvious ones and now it's like all the all the major like kai, horror kaiju stuff we've kind of talked about and so now we're just kind of getting getting crazy. Um, well, thankfully, there's no shortage of just Japanese fantasy uh, horror. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. Um, so uh, if people are for whatever reason, have skipped the episode title. We are talking about uh, today uh, Evil Dead Trap 1 and 2. Um, and uh, these are these are two movies, like uh, just looking uh, through um, reviews and, and pieces online, these, these movies are, are pretty big cult films, um, especially the first one, but the second one has a following also. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't want to. So I don't. I mean, I don't want to speak for everyone, but this might be the most out of step we've been with. Like, I don't know if you want to say a general consensus <laughs> um, in a while, but we'll we'll get into that. Um, what's funny about this is 
Because um, Trev usually comes by here a couple times in uh, the Halloween season. He was like, what are you guys doing for Halloween? And um, we were like, oh, well, there's a couple episodes we were talking about that we wanted to get you on. And then he was he was like, oh, well, you know, I was thinking about some things. Um, and one of, the, one of his suggestions was Evil Dead Trap. And I was like, funny you mentioned that, because that's one that Matt and I decided we were going to do this year. Um, so, uh, I guess I, I want to start, um, by asking Trev, uh, cause I don't th- I think we're new to these, all of us, mm-hmm. uh, even though they've been around for a long time. Um, so I, I want to ask Trev, um, what, what, what made this pop into your mind is something that you might be interested in. in well, it really was that at. just recent Blu-ray release of Evil Dead 2 that I saw was getting like a lot of attention online. Um, you know, just from, I'm always... Evil I Dead Trap I, 2, you mean? You said Evil Dead 2. Oh, sorry, yeah. Uh, I had good movies on my mind. Um, <laughs> Evil Dead Trap 2 was just released on Blu-ray, and I know you and I and, and Tom, like we're all like physical media kind of hounds, and we're always paying attention to what the new kind of, you know, big special editions are coming out from the, the boutique labels, and... So that was I, that kind of brought it back to my mind, and then Evil Dead Trap, the first one, was one of those titles that I just had always meant to get to because I was just thinking when you said that these are both kind of big cult things, I agree with that and to, to the level that I'm actually surprised, especially you and I, Bird. It's kind of shocking to me that neither of us had seen these until now. It is kind of weird. Know, it was a title that I was always aware of. I always meant to get to, um, and it was just like kind of always in my to watch list. But yeah, I, I when when uh, Evil Dead Trap Two hit Blu-ray recently. Uh, I kind of just yeah. like at that point I was like, oh, you know, it might be kind of cool to watch both of those for yeah. uh, for uh, KT. And and that that followed up the first one. I, I think uh, earlier this summer, I think Unearthed put out mm. the the two. I think that their their special edition of the first one was like a few months ago. Um, so yeah, it is kind of in the uh, uh, I guess I guess right now people like us who pay attention to those labels and you know kind of almost take them as sort of recommendations, are curious about it. So it's, I, I am seeing a little bit of a revived discussion about them on, you know, horror podcasts and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the first time I probably heard of Evil Dead Trap was, I, I, I'm assuming, because, I mean, it, like, like you said, it's a title I've been hearing forever. I, I think when I discovered the Evil Dead movies and, like, I would look up, um, yeah. you know, like back in the day you had those, like, movie review guides like Leonard Malton and all that like my grandpa used to get those constantly so I always used to like look at the reviews of whatever I was watching and Evil Dead Trap always came up whenever I was looking at Evil Dead stuff and I was like are they sure related Evil Dead and, Trap was in the Leonard Malton video <laughs> <laughs> maybe not Leonard Malton but it was definitely in um video hound like yeah, yeah video hound and that's only because my, for, I don't know why my grandpa loved the Video Hound review books, but that was a a local guy who you know wrote the the same kind of movie guides. But he also owned Thomas Video, which was a local video store here, which was was really awesome. But he's also like a huge cult film yeah. guy. Like he's written books about cult films, so he always had like weird titles in his review guides. So that that's probably more accurate. <laughs> yeah. For me. And I've got a bunch of these, I think I've shown you a bunch of them, Bert is like when I first, when I was like really getting into like Japanese cinema and like extreme Japanese cinema in particular, I bought like a quite a few books that are like there, they are those like, I have a video hound one, actually a video hound guide to like uh, Hong Kong cinema and a couple others uh, like Bay Logan's Hong Kong cinema book. And like those always talked about this movie, but I don't know. Did you guys, I have a question for all of, all of you. Did you have the same assumption I did for years 
off the title, just assuming this, because I think for years I just thought this was a Japanese like remake or ripoff of Evil mm-hmm. Dead. I've I've always figured uh, yeah. that was the case. Yeah. I yeah. always assumed it was like a uh, the Japanese version of Zombie. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That it was just some sort of unofficial sequel that just you know suddenly was was set in Japan or something. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Little did I know it's something completely different. Uh, Matt, what about you? When did you first hear of this title? Probably a year or two ago when we decided, like, you, I, we talked about it in passing one time, and then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, that looks kind of interesting. Yeah. But I also assumed uh, it was related <laughs> tangently to uh, Evil Dead, which it is not. Yeah, I I always kind of assume that too. Uh, the, I, but I I can tell you the first time, like when I when I actually bothered to like look into it a little bit and realized it wasn't. And um, that was geez, I I was probably like my first few years of college, and um, you know, just going on a lot of. That's when I really started to go on a lot of horror websites um, for like movie recommendations and stuff. And I remember seeing this like awesome GIF of a knife going into an eyeball and uh, like the eyeball just like goo like gushing out of it and i was like that is gnarly like what's that from and it was from evil dead trap and then i looked up the synopsis and i was like oh that's like not an evil dead thing um and uh and then yeah a few years ago i actually bought this a used dvd of this movie from a place nearby called Big Ben's Comics and Collectibles. I bought that in uh, <laughs> the movie Torque, <laughs> used blind buys, which Trev is now the proud owner of that Torque DVD. I was just about to ask you, hey, Bird, tell them what happened to that Torque DVD. <laughs> we watched it, and, I mean, I thought it was funny and fun, but Trev, like... Trev had like love at first sight with Torque. It was a a pure moment of like real friendship, and like because Bird was uh, was just kind enough to in that moment be like, you know what, you you should have. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, look, (laughs) that was fun, but like, I'm probably never gonna watch this DVD again. You know, here you you can take it and show it to everyone you want. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) listeners, (laughs) I I have watched that DVD again many times. Um. Uh. Uh, and, and, and it just like went into a, uh, you know, whenever I come out of a place like that and it, like, I buy like a stack of cheap movies, like they almost, they just, I don't, I, I'm so stupid. I don't know why I still do that sometimes. Like they just go in a box of like other stuff that I never watched. So, uh, I, I actually have had that for a few years, but this is the first time I've watched it. Um, uh, but yeah, um, I, I guess I can talk a little bit about, uh, I guess, what this movie's whole uh, deal is. Um, so, uh, like we said, this is this is especially this first movie. Um, so we're gonna be talking. I should say we're there's there's technically a quote unquote third, but uh, it was only released as Evil Dead Trap Three uh, internationally. Um, so it's kind of like a fake. Thing anyway, but we also couldn't find a decent copy of it. Um, I found I ran into it a few times, but the subtitles on it were so off time it was like unwatchable. So we just said screw it. 
Um, Sounds like basically like they're like it's like the Japanese version of like the demons series. Yeah, yeah. In Italy. Uh, yeah, and, a bunch and of demons movies that aren't really demons sequels. Yeah, and Evil Dead Trap Two, even though it's it was even released in Japan under the like as a a two, like it has nothing to do with like anything. Um, but uh, so these are made by a, a company called Japan Home Video. <laughs> Founded in 1984 um, uh, to get in on the, uh, I guess, VHS boom. Um, and they often made or distributed low-budget genre movies. Um, the most famous one is probably Tetsuo the Iron Man. Um, some anime stuff like uh, Wicked City, again, another very infamous movie. Um, some computer games. Uh, their big source of revenue is they also ran uh, Angel Japan, which... Uh, was uh, one of Japan's largest um, uh, hardcore porn companies. Um, in fact, uh, one of the actresses in this movie, Hitomi Kobayashi, uh, they wanted her for the lead role, um, and uh, the director kind of doubted her talent because she was a porn actress. Um, so they instead um, cast her in a secondary role of the character of Rei, um, and then uh, Erika Nakagawa is another uh, adult film star that plays a, a, a supporting role in here. Um, As the completely different character, Rie. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, the uh, director, Toshiharu Ikeda, and the writer, Takeshi Ishii, um, both came to this as veterans of pink cinema, um, which is really, I mean, we've, we've kind of mentioned pink cinema here. Um, it's, uh, basically exploitation films that were kind of keeping studios like, uh, Nikatsu and Toei afloat, uh, when the Japanese film industry was collapsing in the sixties and seventies. Um, I would describe them, uh, at least usually they're described as like softcore porn, um, but often also with a lot of violence, uh, sexual violence, torture, things like that. Um, believe it or not, pink cinema is actually a blind spot in my Japanese movie viewing. Um, now, Trev, I know that you, uh, I don't know if I want to say you're a fan of pink, pink <laughs> cinema, but, you, but you, there, you, you have seen a handful and you own a handful. Am I, am I, is my description doing these justice? So I mean, if we're considering some of, like the Miko Kaiju stuff, like is there Kaiju, like is that what you're talking about, like the Stray Cat Rock and stuff like that? Uh, more like the stuff where like you look at the poster and it's like a naked woman like tied up. <laughs> I don't think I'm as into that as you seem to think I am. Oh, uh, maybe. I, 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 I like a lot of like I think what you're getting confused is like um. The, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, there's they're the kind of more just com- entirely like softcore. Yeah, that's not something I ever got too entirely into. I do like a lot of the um, the kind of more um, exploitative like Japanese cinema of the '60s and '70s. That was like the like the gang movies and stuff like that. And that those always had elements of pink cinema yeah. to them. So like they would often talk about that. They would say it's like kind of um, you know in the same wheelhouse, but not necessarily. I don't. Yeah, those movies that are like that always have titles like torture the bound teacher or you know yep. rape the school mom or something i don't uh, that's i've never got into that right, so. well uh, I'm, I'm, isn't uh 
Isn't Yukijiro Hutaru in a lot of those? Oh, yeah, a ton of them. And, and I mean, a lot of directors, even really successful ones, you know, started... Make a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. started making them, in, you know. Um, uh, uh, the director, Ikeda, his, I guess, kind of origin story is a little amusing. He uh, So, uh, legend has it, he was in a bar, like, getting hammered, and he was like rambling about <laughs> about the state of movies and he was like you know a movie why, why are movies so bad like i could make a better movie and then also drinking was uh, a guy that worked at nikatsu and he was like well if you could do better why don't you come and like make some and he was like okay <laughs> and so then he got a job as an assistant director on a bunch of pink movies where uh um as an AD, I mean, you know, he was in charge of setups and cleanups, and also one of, one of his tasks was also um, trimming uh, the female actress's um, pubic hair. Um, and then he started directing pink films, including some that uh, were thought to push boundaries. Um, in fact, uh, he is... Uh, uh, one of his claims to fame in Japan is he's uh, the director... The first director to release a movie that had uncensored pubic hair, because Japan has a very uh, strict no pubic hair or genitalia rule, even in, like, their most hardcore porn. Um, like, they have to pixelate it. Um, so, uh... Yeah, I was just looking him. at it, like, to get, like, a little <laughs> bit more background. And I think, Bird, I think, like, the stuff I that you know that I'm into, like, uh, is pinky violence. That's kind of like there the you go. Okay. All right. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Well, you can see why I would sound better, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you like for clarifying. Female, yeah. Like the female prisoner 701 series and, and stuff like that. Delinquent girl boss. Like I, <laughs> I'm into that stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, so be, be, because of, uh, you know, him, him making these kinds of movies, JHV, um, tried to get him direct Evil Dead Trap uh, a few times, and they asked him a few times. He turned it down a, a couple times, and he eventually gave in. Um, he said he was not a fan of horror movies. Um, he never watched them growing up. He really didn't care for them. Um, uh, and, you know, in asking if he'd seen, you know, Evil Dead or some of the movies that this gets compared to a lot, he said, you know, no, I don't. Like, I don't really like that kind of movie. Um, in fact, he, he didn't actually see Evil Dead Trap, which came out in, um, in uh, I think, 88. Um, he didn't actually see it until 1999, when it was kind of getting, a, a, like, I guess, some festival showings and stuff here in the United States. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, because this is a movie that uh, definitely is indebted to a lot of well-known horror films. Um, uh, so to give him a little bit of a uh, benefit of the doubt, I should mention, um, because they filmed this on a, in a, like a defunct, like military base owned by the government, um, they, they kept like rushing the production. So it was actually filmed by like two, production team. So there's a lot of this that he didn't direct. And he also uh, got very sick 
after the movie was filmed. And I, I, from what I understand, I don't think he was very involved in the post-production either. So, um, I don't know. I, it's not that I, 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 I wouldn't say I don't believe him. <laughs> um, because, I mean, it's still possible the composer, the DP, the screenwriter, and, uh, you know, the people running the other filming unit very well could have been, you know, I guess, big Argento or Fulci fans or whatever. Um, <clears throat> anyway, um, Evil Dead Trap uh, is also, uh, has some, I mentioned the eyeball scene earlier, but uh, it's, it is full of some really cool practical gore effects and um, uh, a really odd little creature <laughs> um, that uh, I guess we'll talk about that when we start getting into more spoiler territory. Um, and that was all done by the great Shinichi Wakasa, who people probably most know uh, for making a lot of the Heisei and Millennium Godzilla and Toho monster suits, but um, he's done all kinds of stuff. This is the second movie he ever worked on, um, the first being Gakidama, another low-budget horror movie that we we talked about a few years ago um and uh that's evil dead trap uh ikeda um died uh from drowning um and uh apparently around the time he died he kept talking about how he wanted to die and if he did die it would be in uh the same location that i guess he shot the movie that kind of broke him out of the, the pink violence stuff. And that was a movie called mermaid legend, which was more of a, from my understanding, a drama thriller, but, uh, the, the canal or whatever used in that movie, his body was found floating there. So, um, not confirmed as suicide from my understanding, but it sounds a lot like suicide. Um, so evil dead trap. Um, does anyone want to take a step? Dab at the plot synopsis? Uh, maybe. <laughs> so let's see. This is, um, there's this, a TV show host. It, it's Nami, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, she is like a, a late night TV show host. And so she's trying to fill out her, her slot with like interesting stuff. That's her TV show slot. This is not a pink movie. Um, <laughs> uh, so she's trying to fill out, fill out her time slot. And she, she solicits from her viewers. Um, I'm going to start using as many veiled, like, like sexual words as I can <laughs> solicit slot. Um, but so she, she solicits from her viewers, like, Hey, send in some home movies and, uh, we'll talk about them on the, on the show. She winds up, you know, she's, she's parsing through all these entries and it's mostly perverted stuff towards her. And she throws in another one. She thinks it's going to be a, another pervert. And instead it's a snuff film of a woman being, you know, tied up and, and murdered. And she thinks it seems very real, very authentic. Uh, so she gets the, like, 
the producer, she gets like the producer to agree to give her a small crew, not much though, because he's like, you're a, you're a low budget, nothing show. You know, I can't, uh, I can't just be giving you money. Um, but he, like a small little crew to <clears throat> go see if she could figure out where this was filmed. Cause she thinks she sees something in the background of one of the shots that she recognizes. So she takes this crew, which is her. Uh, and then there's like three other girls and a guy, the guy is the cameraman, I think. Mm-hmm. And the girls are, I don't know, also there. <laughs> um, and they start wandering around this like deserted factory that they see that kind of resembles and matches uh, some of the shots in this, in this snuff film. And um, they decide, Hey, this place is too big for us to be able to search it all before dark. So let's split up. And so Nami goes kind of by herself one way, two of the girls go another way and the guy and the, the one girl go the other way as they're walking around. We, we see that the two girl group, like they split up and then one of them gets killed. And the guy and the girl who went together, we learn have like a dating history. And he's like, Hey, I'm sorry about last night. That's never happened to me before. And he's like, but I'm ready now. And so they have steamy sex in this awful, (laughs) awful, like just disgusting place. Um, Because apparently that's that's what gets this guy going. And then um, as as Nami's walk around, she sees this like weird guy and he's like, yeah, you know, you're all going to die. Ha ha ha. Uh, but don't worry or whatever. Like, I'll try and help you or something. He's like a weird dude. And then they're all being killed like one by one until it's slowly kind of whittled down to Nami. And this guy's trying to help her. Uh, but, you know, we're kind of. We're, we are a little confused about exactly what's going on because, you know, it seems pretty obvious that the dude, this dude who's, you know, the only weird one there would be the one killing people. But he's kind of seems aware of like the killings that are happening, but or something. But it's like a he definitely doesn't feel like the guy who is doing it. Um, and he's ultimately not <laughs> and that's how we'll leave it for uh, <laughs> yeah, we, you know we can we'll we'll you know we'll get into it but we'll we'll leave it there for now but um, yeah it's just it's just them getting like picked off one by one um oh there's also a there's also a thing i forgot about this there's also a thing what's with those other the other dude oh there's a dude there's a dude who's there and oh that's it I'm sorry. There's 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 a guy. There's another guy there, and he's like, he's like a prisoner or something who like escapes, and he's like, he's like, I'm sorry. He'll he says he'll let me live if I. He like corners one of the girls, and he's like, he says he'll let me live if I, if I rape you, 
and he tries to like rape this girl in the van and then he does and then while they're while he's like molesting her she's asking him for expository dialogue <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah um and and so like we get this you know there's just it's a constant whittling down as people are murdered in more and more gruesome fashion Pretty standard stock and slash kind of stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a slasher movie, and it, it, it uh, uh, definitely takes from a lot of uh, giallo kind of uh, Italian movies as well. Um, so uh, I guess uh, as a movie that. Um, we've kind of heard about for a long time and now just watching. Um, how do you guys feel like it maybe, uh, I guess, lived up to the hype? Because like I said, this is a pretty popular movie. Uh, I'll go first because I know my opinion might not, I might be slightly different than everyone else in this and that I, I really wasn't that into this that much. And I do wonder, I mean, looking back on it, I do have to wonder if part of that was the hype, you know, after hearing for years about how much of a cult, you know, hit this was and how people just love it. And then seeing, you know, before I watched it, I went online just to kind of get a sense of, you know, is this pretty popular? And sure enough, you know, people seem, this has like a lot of like really positive reviews on sites like Letterboxd and just random sites devoted to both horror film and, and Asian, uh, you know, horror and cinema. So I went in kind of expecting, like, oh, I mean, maybe this is like a really like one of those like classics that I missed, and I just found the majority of it majority of it to be really boring. Um, I do love like the last act. I mean, I think it's impossible if you're into these kind of movies not to get some fun out of the last like 15 or so minutes. But I felt like it was really a slog for me to get to that point because I just said, you know, it, it's kind of standard stock and slash, and it, I just felt like it does have some moments of really extreme violence. This is the kind of thing I I, I think you'll all know what I mean. I think I would have been way more into this movie if I saw it when I was like 20, mm -hmm. um, you know, back when I was like trying to see all the most extreme horror stuff and everything. And, you know, the days when you're like first like, Oh man, you, have you seen cannibal Holocaust yet? Oh, you got to check out, you know, dead alive. And, all, and like, you're trying to see like the goriest stuff. I probably would have dug it a little bit more, but that's not, I still don't get me wrong. I still love gore, but it, that's not like the fact that this has some really extreme moments wasn't kind of enough for me. And so I felt like the, the build up to the final act for me was just a little, been there, done that, and it was moving just a bit too slow. And the last thing I'll say before letting someone else talk is, you know, you're not wrong about it being clearly very heavily influenced by giallos and Italian cinema. I mean, the eyeball moments you mentioned, that's definitely like their tribute to Fulci. Um, but also, you know, I always, I saw a lot of people saying like, well, it's got this like Suspiria-like score. It's, and I, you know, I got very <laughs> excited because I think Suspiria is probably with tied with Halloween, it's like the two best horror scores ever. And, and then I, you know, I get that this is a very, I get what they mean when they say the score is Suspiria-ish, but whereas Suspiria has like a full score, like throughout the whole film with a lot of different amazing pieces of music, it was driving me nuts that this movie has this like one, like five second music cue that just plays over and over and over <laughs> for the yeah. whole movie. It was, I was just like so sick of it so by sick. the end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's okay, but I wasn't super into it. Um, yeah, the, I don't know what the deal is with the score. I, yeah, it definitely feels like, you know, a goblin kind of 
score and and it's not like a, a it's not bad or anything but yeah by the time the movie's over you've heard it so much that you're like mm-hmm. i like wh- where was the rest of the music <laughs> <laughs> um uh yeah i mean i i'll, I'll go next since i'm i'm kind of there with you i i think i probably like this a little more than you but i i, I kind of felt the same way um i i think that uh you know this this movie I, I I should have mentioned earlier it has I'm not sure how technically true this is um but it has the reputation as being Japan's first real splatter movie um you know obviously there they've been have had a lot of horror movies before but this is the first that really was just kind of like a gore fest um and yeah some of the gore like the eyeball popping scene and uh there's a scene early on um when they're showing like that snuff tape and the guy like puts a knife under an eyelid and like pulls a knife up and it cuts the eyelid. Like that made me flinch. Um, and of course the, the creature side of things that we'll get into, I liked also. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I hate to speak for other people, but, um, horror fans, (laughs) let's admit it. If if something has really cool gore effects, like we we do tend to um, get very enthusiastic <laughs> about it as a recommendation. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like you did. Where it, you know, I've seen enough Italian stuff from the seventies that it kind of just played like a a pastiche of a lot of those, and not necessarily the most creative one up until that twist. Um, almost to the point where it, it, it kind of left me feeling kind of how I did. Um, if you guys remember the movie, uh, the void from a few years ago where, um, my feeling about the void was like, yeah, it's, you know, it's entertaining enough that I can say I enjoyed watching it. And, uh, um, I, it's, competently made but it really feels like someone just smashed like you know hellraiser one and two and the thing and the beyond together and like you just feel like you've seen everything already and i'm not sure if i'm explaining it the best but but that that's kind of how i felt about this you know i to where it, it felt strange that something that felt to me this derivative had as much novelty value in horror circles as it does and i don't know if that's more related to the timing of when it came out in japan or when it came out in the united states um uh but overall i enjoyed it i i think my big my big thing with it is it's just kind of very awkwardly structured and paced where uh, they kill a ton of people in the first like act and then the middle is kind of just a lot of people walking around and people like <laughs> falling asleep <laughs> and waking up and then walking around some more. And then the last act is when you know you get that twist and it goes completely bananas. Um, uh, and you know this movie is 105 minutes, I think if you scooped out 20 of those minutes this could probably be a real banger but you know that's how i feel yeah but but for me it it, you know it it 
I liked it decent amount, of, but you know, it's, I don't know that it's, if it's something I would revisit or you know show a friend or or whatever. But um, uh, Tom or Matt, which of you would like to go next? I'll go. Um, I <laughs> you sort of t- took what I was going to say because the the first act I actually really enjoyed. It kind of is this procedural where they're they're trying to figure out like okay what happened where did it happen and then you have everyone getting picked off the problem is the middle yeah then of it the kills everyone <laughs> it like the middle they're all dead and <laughs> the middle of the movie just drags and yeah the last 10 or 15 minutes are, are fun and you know i it does have some creative special effects and i think i'm one of those horror idiots where like when a movie has special effects that are that are that fun i do give it some credit there but um it's okay. I didn't. I didn't love it. Um, I also didn't super love cigarette smoking character that just like randomly shows up. Uh, I kind of feel like, yeah, that when once we finally get to the twist, I get it, but the character setup just feels so awkward and weird that um, I don't know. It's it's just very almost out of place because like you know he's has something to do with it, but he just kind of comes and goes in and out of the movie a bunch. And I feel like they could have set it up slightly better if like when they got to the place, they found him and it felt like he was one of the victims alongside, alongside with them, as opposed to like this guy that like comes and goes and walks off into the forest at times, which is what he does. Like I think at least twice. Yeah. I, you guys aren't super wrong. I just, you know, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like go to bat and be like, oh, you guys are idiots. I loved it, but I, I think I just liked it just a tick more. Um, just for me, there was not always, but enough times where there was something quirky or weird or uh, just slightly off kilter enough happening to kind of maintain my interest and keep my curiosity and. You know, it's it's a uh, it's fairly like interesting looking movie, um, and, and like yeah, the the effects and the gore and everything are all really good. And you know, <clears throat> that becomes I don't know. It's weird how much more mileage I get out of that these days when I just flip on a random movie because seeing blood that is red instead of like weird black color um it's it's weird how the color red (laughs) remember when movies were in color um so it's just things like that that just made me not mind as much when it's a slower paced movie and not as much is happening um but yeah, there are definitely times where you're just kind of spending time with characters named like Ray and Rie, who uh, it took me longer than maybe it should have to figure out that those are two different characters. Um, <laughs> and so I think I just liked it just a smidge better than than what it sounds like you guys probably did. It's funny because you said you, you had a hard time telling those two apart as two different characters. The, uh, the, the guy that's with him, the cameraman, he keeps like taking off his hoodie 
And I don't know if you guys had the same issue, but like there was a couple times where he popped up and I thought he was like a different person. <laughs> I didn't have that issue. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't he, he die pretty unceremoniously too? Like they just, they like, his head is just found. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He, he, yeah. He kind of just dies off screen. They find his head. Yeah. So like Trevor had the same issue. I was like, is that a yeah. different person? The yeah. cigarettes, the cigarette smoking guy, Matt is like, here's your friend's head. <laughs> yeah, it's I, a dark, I mean, it. it's like it's a darkly lit film. So it's like when they're these characters like I was kind of just like differentiating them from their clothes. And so the fact that he kept changing his outfit throughout the film was like, wait, how many guys did they bring with them? Is this like a new one? Um, so I guess we, we can we can uh, quit tiptoeing around this and anyone who uh, feels like they may be interested in watching this movie and hasn't yet and wants to uh, not get spoiled this is your opportunity to put us on pause watch the movie and come back um but uh so how about that last 15 or so minutes um gabriel versus hideki oh yeah i I, well yeah i I was gonna say you know (laughs) when i was watching it i was already picking up you know um just aesthetically and in terms of like the the warehouse location and some of the uh the traps um that these characters get you know, killed in, I was thinking like, oh, you know, I was getting a little bit of a saw feel for it. And then the last 15 minutes happened and I was like, there's no way James Wan is not a fan of this movie. Uh, Because um, uh, for anyone that's seen Malignant, um, I don't know, I guess spoiler for, spoiler alert for Malignant too, because that's a good movie. You should go watch it. Malignant 2? Did I miss it? (laughs) (laughs) um so yes our uh hooded black trench coat clad killer turns out to be the random cigarette smoking guy who's come in and out of the movie so far but it's not him doing the killing it is his um underdeveloped conjoined twin who like lives in his chest and it's a little baby uh murder fetus monster um and uh that that little fetus thing is what is um you know uh i guess that its consciousness must take over this guy and go and commit these killings um uh, so very malignant, right down to the stuff that the killer is wearing is like Gabriel from Malignant. Um, so right there is like a completely the, the complete one eighty from the more thriller slasher um, story we've been watching. And then um, Nami, our, our lead uh, character, you know she you know uh, kills the kills the guy, lights him on fire. He comes back. He throws she throws her out the window where he like breaks <laughs> and then and then uh the very end um she's you know delivering a newscast about it and she starts to feel sick and you know she she like falls to the ground and like her neck and chest start like bulging and then the little fetus monster comes out of her and goes mama and then it ends <laughs> um i know that I all sounds think. like made up but <laughs> i mean that's the most no sense the most italian element of this movie is that the end is nonsensical you don't get much yes. more italian horror than that yeah it's very uh house by the cemetery <laughs> where like the last 20 minutes you're like 
So there's like a monster living in the basement? What? Like, yeah, very, yeah, very Italian in the, like, just WTF that came out of nowhere. Like the monkey in the <laughs> phenomena. It's both the movie's strength and its weakness, I think, because the good news is it ends on a real high. Uh, and like I said, like it's if you're into horror and just like crazy cinema, you're going to enjoy the last 10 or 15 minutes. I think the problem is, you know, we talk about, I, I don't disagree, but I think it seems pretty clear James Wan was probably, this is one of his influences on Malignant. But the clever and smart move he made is to have the Gabriel reveal about halfway through that film. Yep. Not at the end. And then, then like, really yeah. push it, like, you know, do as much as he can with it after that. Um, and that's the thing. is like, I would, because the middle of this movie is so much of Nami just by herself wandering around this factory after everyone has already been killed, you, you really wish that reveal could have come sooner and you could have got a lot more with Hideki, uh, you know, just to, you know, give you a lot more to remember than just the last 10 minutes or so. Yeah. And, and like, yeah. It, it, it's a crazy sequence. Like, uh, the, the fetus, like, like starts running around it and you get this like weird like fetus vision like and and like uh, it's got, and it's got this like long tentacle that like it it like grabs her with and for whatever reason everything is on fire and exploding like yeah and sparks are flying out of everything and yeah <laughs> and you know you could have you could have really built up to like uh the the all the times that that like random smoking guy shows up and like, he'll be like, ah, you know, I suddenly don't feel good. Like if you had revealed the Hideki thing a little earlier, you could have obviously played up. Oh shit. Hideki's coming, you know? Um, cause he does like, there's a couple times where he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to come with you. Oh no, wait, my stomach hurts. I don't feel good. And you know, if you're watching this and you don't know that there's going to be a little fetus monster pop out of this dude's, chest you're like well this guy's like what he's got a uh a tummy ache all of a sudden like he's got indigestion and he can't help her like so so yeah i mean that's definitely a misstep for sure yeah um uh i will say uh just to kind of give another compliment um i do think the movie it has like a, a solid um, mood to it, a, a atmosphere, you know, aesthetically, I really like it. Um, and I mean, not that it's un unexpected, but, um, you know, what Wakasa's effects are like top notch. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do. The effects are great. And it is well, it is well shot. It's like a, it has a great look to it. You know, that's not my, my issue was never with like what I was seeing on screen. It was more what was happening or the lack of what was happening sometimes. Um, so for a lot of people, I think the biggest surprise would be hearing that the director, Ikeda, was not a fan of horror movies. Um, now, I don't know why he would lie about that, um, <laughs> but, for, but for a movie that feels so indebted to a lot of things, like we said, primarily, you know, Italian horror movies, I mean... Do you guys, I don't know if I want to say, do you believe him? But I, I mean, what do you, what do you make of that? It only seems strange to me because, you know, I think we've had this conversation before um, that 
especially with like American horror films, a lot of like the most famous, most well-regarded American horror films are made by filmmakers who only did horror once. Right. Like that happens a lot with like, you know, like directors like Friedkin and people just like uh, Polanski. Well, I guess Polanski did more, but you know, it's like dipping in and just doing one or two horror films, but not being a horror filmmaker. Right. Sometimes they make the best ones and you get the sense, you know, they are cutting their teeth on other genres. So they're able to bring that kind of other genre play in and merge that to the horror genre. Or it's just that they, they have this like singular idea of a horror story that's like so strong they have to get it out as opposed to someone, you know, uh, who just wants to make a bunch of like cheap slashers <laughs> throughout their career. I, what, what's surprising about it for me with this one is that to say I'm not a fan of horror and then apparently make this extreme of a horror film and like, you know, build it off of influences of just like, I don't want to say obscure, but it's clearly, it is clearly a, like horror, but to clearly pull from that stuff, it turned. Well, he said he never watched any of that, which makes it even weirder maybe that comes from the writers then I don't yeah know, but like yeah i could be it, that's weird though because to say you never watch like i don't know could it be could it be a a wakasa thing because to say you never watched it and then to pull something oh, well we know he has <laughs> i mean keep well, in mind like, stephanie stephanie meyer said she never read or saw any vampire stories before writing twilight so sometimes you just can't believe yeah it sometimes people know. it's true sometimes <laughs> people do say things I, I guess i guess the most benefit of the doubt i can give him is like you know wakasa was kind of mentored by dick smith like you know he's all up in that you know i mean if if you have a dp a composer the genre you know i guess it would be possible for a it's almost like uh how these days we consider dread to be like an alex garland movie and not a what pete peter whatever the guy's name is yeah yeah I kept wanting to say Pete Travers, and then I that's like the film critic that just likes everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um It could uh, also be it could also be like a rough maybe maybe a rough translation type of thing, right? Where maybe he was saying he was more saying like I tried not to watch any of that while I was making this. Yeah, that's you, true. You know? Yeah. The the the, lang- the the translation stuff as we know, <laughs> and we, we've seen many times, you know, sometimes just like one word that's missing in a translation can change everything. Because I, I might believe that more, you know. Oh, I, I tried not to watch any of that while I was actively making a movie that was kind of pulling from and inspired by that. There's also something I wish I could remember... Maybe as I say it, Bert will know what I'm talking about, but maybe not. Because I know there's another example of this where, and it's some American slasher film, where sometimes you get a director who says they don't like horror, and then they make a horror film, and they basically are making the film that they think horror is. Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that horror does, is yeah. like, disgusting and like gross, and so I'm going to make, I'll just make what I know it is. And then they end up making like a fun horror film because they're trying to like take the shit on horror, right? But they're not realizing like, yeah, actually you're kind of right. This is what, this is what people want to see. So maybe that's what happened here. Yeah. I can't think of any example. I, I mean, I know there's multiple examples. There's like a of specific that. one. I wish it's like, maybe it'll, maybe it'll come to me. There's like a particular slasher film that I know that's the story where the director is like, ah, I like horror is like stupid. Like I'm going to make, I'm going to like basically like mock it. And it's like, well, no, you actually made a pretty good horror film. <laughs> Um, well, he's dead, so no one can ask him anymore. <laughs> um, it's what it, that would have been a good question for Wakasa when we had him for Kaiju Masterclass, but 
Oh, well. <laughs> we didn't think of it. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's okay. Um, I, I liked it, but, you know, I don't know if it's something that I'll, I feel like I'll revisit again. So, um, on many, that note... Uh, how many baby murder fetuses out of five? Uh, I give this a solid three murder fetuses. Um, and, uh, like I said, I mean, if, if you're into the genre and you've seen like all the good Fulci and Argento movies and you want something with that kind of feel that you haven't seen before and maybe, um, uh, you know, maybe also being Japanese, it'll have a little bit of extra novelty. Um, or if, you know, you want to see Shinichi Wakasa's early effects work, um, check it out, but it's not something I'd rush out to see. It's not something like if I had friends over and they're like, what's a horror movie to watch? You know, it's not one I'd necessarily pull out. Um, so I give it a three. Um, if it sounds interesting to you, I mean, rent it, stream it, you know, and go from there. Um, you know, it's just that you could, you could trim this movie down and have it be a real, like, masterpiece of sleazy fun, but... Uh, um, yeah, it didn't really hit all the right cylinders for me, and, uh, it's not that I, I mean, I, I've seen enough, jeez, God, no, I need to figure out a better way to say this question, um, <laughs> uh, rape scenes, there's almost no good way to say this, I, I've seen a lot of movies with rape scenes, and I, I definitely understand that uh, they're they're triggering for a lot of people for very good reason, um, but I don't know. If you're gonna do one, it should serve the story better than a way to uh, have two characters discuss sex position. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> just a very. It that, it's, made it worse. Like, it, it, yeah. it was already uncomfortable, and it like made it. Yeah. Yeah, a very strange decision. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm at a three for those reasons. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'll go. I, I, I give it a, I'll give it a two and a half. But I, I want to be very clear here that, like, that's just on me. Like, I think, I really think I was influenced by, like, the hype of it. And then, yeah, just it being kind of built off of it being so heavily influenced by a genre that I love and have seen so many like better versions of. So I give it a two and a half, but I do encourage people who are into horror and like into, and if this sounds interesting and particularly for the last 15 minutes, I would still encourage people to see it at least once. Cause I have a feeling a lot of people will like it more than I did. And, I, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I think it just didn't, it did. It just didn't click for me because of how much of a slog I found the first two acts to be, but uh, I don't want to be super, overly negative on it so that that's me but i could see it um being in the realm of three or three and a half for other people yeah i uh i think tom might have liked it the most so i'm gonna go next i'm also at a two and a half i think i initially kind of gave it a three on letterbox but thinking about it i think the, the middle of the film just drags too much for me the uh i also hate <laughs> the the, tr the the rape scene being a triggering thing like i just super uncomfortable for me but also again uh doesn't didn't really serve the story in that moment. Um, I do, you know, the effects and everything were fun, but like, it's not something I would ever watch again or anything. So I'm going to two and a half. Yeah. And that's, I, I, uh, I just liked it just a smidge better and I'm going to be generous and, and round up. Um, 
like I said, I think it, it, and you guys, we've said this, it just is a pretty looking movie or at least visually interesting. A lot of times, uh, the effects are great. The, the, the score never got on my nerves, but, uh, it's definitely not like, it's a weird, like combination of starting to like it. And then by the end, just being like, Oh, it's this again. Uh, but you know, combined with the ending that really, really rips for me, I just, I'll round it up a little bit and I'll say, I'm at, I'm at a three and a half. I, I enjoyed it. I had a, a good time with it. Um, but it's kind of one of those three and a halves where I'm like, yeah, I liked it and I had a good time with it and that's it. I'm good. And I, I don't think I would really actively watch it again. And that's the, I don't think I'll watch this again, not because I wouldn't watch it again, but because in order to watch it, you have to actively go out and see it. It's not something that you're just going to stumble across, you know, even on like a streaming channel. Oh, flip it through Pluto and Evil Dead Trap is on, (laughs) you know. Well, right Um, now the the new, uh, I guess, 2K restoration or whatever is on uh, Amazon. And uh, I think the second one might have might. Be, have been put up very like within the last few days so but again that's you're gonna have to go and sit down to watch that and not just be flipping through uh like a you know a live stream of something and it'll be on so <laughs> that would be weird <laughs> <laughs> um okay so uh i guess um i guess we can go through the next movie uh, which is 1992's Evil Dead Trap 2. Strap in, boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so Evil Dead Trap, should have mentioned, I guess the Japanese title translates to Trap of the Evil Spirits. So either way, the title doesn't make much sense. Um, and that, I don't know how literal tra- that translation is. If it's very literal, then that's probably why it doesn't make any sense. Um so uh uh in ni- so 1992 is when Evil Dead Trap 2 came out which was also made by JHV and uh released in Japan as a part 2. Um I don't know if it was called that at the writing level, at the screenplay level. I probably not. I can't imagine why it would be. I don't think someone said write Evil Dead Trap 2. And then they got something completely unrelated. I don't. I don't know. There, there's not as much information about this movie um, that I was able to find in English. So that's just my guess. Um, but uh, it's been a little while. 1992. Um, and you think this uh, is like a, you think? Wait one second. You think this is like maybe um, a Dimension Hellraiser sequel scenario? Where? Because I was thinking. Because you say there's like no connection, but that's not. I mean. Because I have well, seen it, people, I have seen people say why they think it is a sequel, and I can't entirely dismiss their logic. Yeah, say, is oh, it because like the origin story of Hideki? And yeah, I, the so the it, subtitle is Hideki, which is yeah. the name of the baby fetus so monster. Do you, think it's a, do you think there's a chance that they had this screenplay and then someone said, you know, if we just change that name to Hideki? Yeah, could... yeah, because um, and we'll talk about it when we like, I guess talk. There, there is like a, a which I, it's pretty much like a ghost uh, mm-hmm. of like a child named Hideki that we find find as, you know, a, a, a child that has been aborted. So there's your fetus connection, your Hideki connection. But yeah, I mean, that, that kid's name could have been like Toshio or something in the script. Frank. And they were, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, Frank. Um, and someone could have just been like, okay, uh, you know, take a Sharpie and cross the name out and write Hideki. There, it's Evil Dead Trap 2 now. Um, and, uh, this is, uh, early work from, um, uh, Izo Hashimoto is the director and co-writer. Um, he is, well, this is after Akira, but, uh, yeah, he's probably best known as, um, uh, being the one that, uh, co-wrote Akira, um, and then the, the movie Peacock King, which is another one that uh, kind of has a little bit of a following, and um, his co-writer Drifting on... Drifting Classroom also, right? Yes, Drifting Classroom, uh, the uh, Obayashi movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's he's got some, I mean, better credits uh, to his name. Um, and then co-written by uh, Chiaki Kanaka, who is has a very versatile and odd career. Um, he's a big horror guy, writes horror novels and movies. Um, he's, uh, uh, done like very Lovecraftian stuff. Um, he directs and, and writes films. Um, he wrote, uh, Shimizu's Marbito, which we've reviewed on this show, uh, the vampire movie with, uh, Shinya Tsukamoto, um, also he's written some of the best, uh, Ultraman shows, uh, from like the nineties, Ultraman Gaia is like a fan favorite. He was like the main writer on that. Also a main writer on Digimon. I mean, the guy's career makes no sense. And he also found himself in hot water last year for sharing nine eleven conspiracy theories on Twitter. So he's a very strange man, I guess. Um, and uh, I'm pretty confident in saying, uh, I know people like this movie, um, but I, I'm pretty confident in saying every credit that I just read of his is better than Evil Dead Trap 2. Um, but this is one of his very first like credits, so I mean, you know, maybe he's just indulging in some, some uh, I guess, things that he has to get out of his system before doing something better. Um, Evil Dead Trap 2 is... Uh, uh, the story of a projectionist at a movie theater. Um, her name is Aki, and um, she's a uh, very kind of socially awkward. You know, she's a, a heavy set girl. Um, you know, all her, all the people around her she feels like are prettier than her, um, and so we're we're kind of following her through those insecurities. Um, but she does things like, you know, she goes out at night and tries to hook up with men. Um, she has, uh, her friend, um, uh, Emmy, Emmy is the name of her friend, um, who is, uh, a reporter and a former J-pop idol. And, um, she is like the complete opposite. She's, um, you know, all, all the, all the men find her attractive and, um, She's got her boyfriend, played by Shiro Sano, who uh, I was pleased to see in this because he's shown up in a ton of crap we've talked about. He's in, um, uh, uh, I guess, what would you guys say is like his most recognizable role, like the boss in GMK? Or Godzilla 2000, maybe? Yeah, I Godzilla 2000 for me, just... Yeah. But... He's just in Final he looks, Wars. Just because he looks so similar 
in that as into as in this. Like that's yeah. where I I was like, oh, it's the Godzilla two thousand guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's in Final Wars and um, uh, uh, Great. Was he in Great Buddha Arrival? No, he was in um, Nezera. That's um, unfortunate. <laughs> anyway, he's in a ton of stuff. Our listenership knows him um, if they if they look him up. Um, and she's the boyfriend of, uh, or yeah, he's the boyfriend of uh, her friend who's a reporter. And um, I, they just have a weird relationship. Like she's trying to get her boyfriend to sleep with our main character, and she seems to be like getting off on it. Like, there's a weird scene where she's eating a hamburger, and she's like, oh, did you sleep with Aki yet? And he's like, no, not yet. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm, like, like it's really strange. What's with these movies and hamburgers? We didn't mention, like, the first one. There's uh, the part where they're driving the van, and there's, like, a two-minute conversation about, like, the hamburgers they're eating. And the one girl's like, oh, oh, no, I dropped my hamburger. And then the other one's like, you can have one of mine. And they're like, you're, sh-. I don't know. Anyway. Good, man. <laughs> So during, I guess, I guess this, what I would describe as like, I guess this, if there is one, the central drama of the movie, um, there is a series of uh, murders, usually uh, young women, um, young sex workers, it seems, um, where there is a, uh, a slasher running around and killing them and uh, ripping out, you know, their ovaries or their uterus, you know, their uh, reproductive organs. Um and uh and uh she's also seeing this little boy everywhere named Hideki um and uh you know the movie kind of it's revealed that she had an abortion and um you know the movie really is kind of i think cueing us in that she's kind of being i guess haunted by this child who is heavily implied to be you know the aborted child and i think there's two important things you left out because i don't think we have to tiptoe around because it's not a spoiler because the movie very early on reveals that aki is the one who's doing the murders uh that's shown that's shown to us very very early yeah yeah. it seems that she does not know she is the one like it seems like she goes into like a a fugue state at night and, and puts on like sexy clothes and goes out and uh, you know, tries to you know hit on men and then ends up murdering uh, young women. Yeah. But the other thing that's worth mentioning is that Kurahashi, the uh, the boyfriend of Imi, he is married. He's he's a married guy who is you know having an affair on his wife uh, with both these women, and it's revealed that part of the reason he's having an affair is his wife. Uh, they recently had a child who died, and his wife has like not never gotten over it, and she keeps saying like he's going to come back, like our our son's going to come back. And this is like pushed him away, but then she turns out to be right. <laughs> the sun, the sun <laughs> does come back. back. Yes. Um. Yeah, I the 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 further into this movie, the I mean, the less sense it really kind of makes. Um. And uh, I mean, I I guess just because I'm not sure how to wrap my head around it in this discussion. There is a twist towards the end that Emmy is also killing these women. She right? kills the um the wife. The wife, right. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I wasn't quite sure if I don't know. This is where I don't know, the movie maybe I'm just an idiot, but I, I, I was starting to like 
get lost because I was like, okay, the movie is kind of getting crazier now, but like, is it trying to tell me, is it trying to subvert the, the thing where, you know, Aki's the killer or what? And then they just kind of like fight over, I don't know what they're fighting over. <laughs> but over at that point they're fighting over Karahashi, aren't they? Like Yeah. Yeah. Well yeah, that's she like so like the reporter so they were classmates and the reporter who's like said to be a formal a former idol and she's always been like if you look at the two characters, you have this attractive, you know, news reporter kind of compared to the heavier set, you know, girl that and she's always like comparing herself to the other girl and putting her down and like talking about, oh, well, he only slept with me because I put him up with up to it, that kind of crap. So, like, the whole movie, she's putting this other, her friend down. And then it, this movie does this weird thing where, like, everybody gets horny when they see somebody die. Like, they have, like, a party to watch the unedited news footage of the bodies. And a then, party where um, they're eating candy and snorting lots of Coke on a oh, yeah, table yeah. with goldfish in it. Like, none of it, it's very <laughs> disjointed, but not in a way that's, like, makes you think about anything that's important it's just it just feels very sloppy to me the whole time i there's there's some message lynching and like you're 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 trying to piece it together it's like you think it it's like it's trying to say something but but i don't think there's any substance here at all well i that that to me is like the challenging thing about this movie because i think it's being purposely obtuse like and i (laughs) and I'm, i'm definitely one of those people like because, you know, you well, I'm sure we've all met and talked to people who don't like any movie that is narratively challenging. Yeah, we you know, like, like lots of movies like that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll defend movies like that. I don't think every movie has to have a traditional narrative. But there is, like, this, like, a slippery slope, and it's, like, a, you know, it's a it's a tightrope to walk between, you know, when you watch a movie from someone like um, Jodorowsky or Lynch, you feel like you are in the hands of someone who, even if you're not quite getting it, you know that there's something there, right? There That you can feel it in the movie. And then this is more like one where, to me... And I'm guessing some of you will echo this. It feels like it's being obtuse with no real meaning behind it. And it's just being obtuse so that it doesn't have to connect any of its dots. Like, it's just kind of like, oh, we'll just make a confusing movie. And like, that'll be like the, the charm of it. But like, and we'll let the audience try to figure it out. But I don't, I'm not sure there's like much. I don't know. I don't know if there's like a real like um, strong engine behind this. It, it, it feels like, and this is probably what it is, because we we've seen work from these guys before. All of us have that is pretty good. It feels like some young filmmakers trying to make a movie like that, but they don't have the skill or the um, uh, the vision behind it that you know puts you in the hands of, you know you you don't feel like you're in the hands of someone that knows what they're doing whereas david lynch is at, at its at his most nonsensical you still feel like okay whoever is making this there's a confidence there that mm-hmm. they they know what they're doing even if i don't know what they're doing it's kind of hard to put into words but it feels He's like someone it. He's doing it deliberately. He has a he has a purpose behind what he's doing, even if we can't figure it out. Yeah, I, right? I feel well, like these guys were probably ins- when you when you listen to Lynch talk about his movies, he is very hesitant to say like what's happening in them and answer questions about it because 
he knows and he'll, he'll always say like, I, I know what it means to me. And I think it's very personal or emotional or whatever that, you know, it has meaning to me and I really respond to it, whatever, you know, he says like things like that. And then he goes, but I'm not going to say anything because your interpretation is just as valid. And as long as you're pulling something out of it, that's all valid. This is just a movie made by hacks who suck. <laughs> well, so can I, and, and that's know. harsh because they made Akira and Akira's good, but this sucked. I mean, yeah. they've made a lot of good stuff. I, like I, Big O, he did Big O. Which yeah, is Big O is fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, well, this but, sucked. The other thing with the other thing about Lynch too, not to keep comparing it to Lynch, but I mean that's like the obvious go-to comparison whenever you have a film like this. But he's also wise enough to make you know the individual sequences are all so interesting and and like crazy and unique. That even if you're not putting the pieces together, you're still entertained, and like, and it's because like each individual moment is like has something to it. We're like, what's with this character? Oh man, this yeah, is, you know, this is so bizarre. I'm I'm finding this funny, or I'm finding this just you know um, heartbreaking. Like he's very great, like manipulating emotions and moments. And this is like this is one of those where you're just confused. And as the movie goes on, you are aggravated at how confused you are. It's never like entertaining. It's like it's it's actively uh, for me it was like actively pissing me off that i couldn't like put anything together and it was just like what is this movie doing like that so it, to me it's like a, it was a very very frustrating watch i don't I, I don't know i don't know why um i don't know why it's revealed so early that aki is the killer either yeah that was who cares <laughs> well, the re part of the reason I think we don't care is the movie can't give us a compelling mystery because there well, is no mystery. I, I think there's that, but there's also like everybody in this movie, sans like the wife who lost her child and gets murdered, is basically shown to be a terrible person. Oh, I don't mind that. I love. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, please, but like, but they're not, not interesting characters. characters. That's that's what I'm getting at. There's not. There's not a character that you can attach yourself to and try to like watch it through their eyes and figure out what's going on. You don't have mystery, but you also don't have characters that like challenge you in any sort of way. They're all terrible. They're they're all horrible, terrible, awful human beings. And it just it just feels like a mis like the, the entire movie is just miserable. But it's all so like there's no fun to be had. So even when you might actually have some very interesting and, and effective like gore effects, which this movie does have, like there's no fun, there's no enjoyment. It just feels like pure misery to me. And I, I, well, it, I hate it. it. If so I way. hadn't, if I hadn't seen, now see, if I hadn't seen this movie, I would hear everything Matt said and say, "Hey, that sounds like something that's up my alley." But the problem <laughs> is, I mean, I'm I'm all for a good misery dirge. You guys know that. Um, yeah, give me a movie with just the worst people known to man, and you know I can. But they don't. But they're not interesting. Like they don't. Like, well, yeah, I mean about, that's okay. that's the bigger problem is just that it's not a very it's not very exciting. You know, it's not well, very su suspenseful. You're gonna. It's gonna have all this like talk about abortion and loss of child, but never challenge you or give you anything to think about at all. Well, I and and that's where that's another thing that I need to bring up is I I'm not sure what the messaging is here because I it's could a movie written a, it's a movie about women written by men who don't know yes about and women. and that is that's that that almost never goes 
well. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually about to say if, if like the only like there's a couple there's two things that I would like say could be a positive about this film for me. And like one of them is that I thought it was I actually do think it's pretty cool that the the lead is like kind of, you know, like, you know, this heavy set girl, which, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood could still learn a lesson from that. We're still like unwilling to let um, kind of, you know, non-traditional, yeah. you know, like uh, by Hollywood standards, you know, take the lead. And I thought that was like, you know, I liked seeing that in this. Yeah. yeah. If, if this was any other movie, Japan or Hollywood, you know, that's true. Chances are they'd get like a. A, like a traditionally attractive girl and like, mm-hmm. I don't know, put glasses on her. Yeah. <laughs> <Something>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Racially cooked with glasses equals ugly. Yeah, we all know. Um, but the other thing I want, I, so, and I, I have a feeling Tom's about to jump down my neck for saying this, but I would just bear with me here. <laughs> I, I will say we, the only thing like where I would put a pause on what we're saying is that we are four dudes talking about this movie. And this is a movie that is like so grounded in like female trauma and like female relationships that like when I was looking at like a lot of the very positive reviews, because there are a lot of very positive mm-hmm. reviews for this yeah. online. I do. I will say there is a chance that like female audiences might respond to this differently. Mm-hmm. Like they might pick up on something we're not. But at the same time, I also agree with you guys that I've, I, I don't want to use that entirely as an excuse because I do kind of feel the female story written by male writers thing for me here. So I don't know. I, I, I could see, yeah. I don't, I don't want to entirely dismiss that possibility, but for me, like I've, I, I've, I think I also appreciate a lot of movies about women's stories. And this one was just kind of like, it was just such a mess. I didn't even feel like it was, it was nailing this, that part of it. This, the okay. This, this is, it's, it's interesting. Cause I guess when you get to the movie's not interesting that point of discussion is interesting because I guess when you start getting into the things that come up later in the movie about, you know, having lost a child or, or decided to, 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 you know, terminate a pregnancy um, and jealousy over, you know, a guy and those kinds of things, like maybe there's a more female leaning perspective to some of that, that a female audience member might respond to. I, personally am surprised that women wouldn't jump off of this movie before that because in the first act and maybe beyond of this movie every female character seems like it's like she's written completely by a man like Mm -hmm. it's all like a very male gaze it's all about sexuality entirely the the women talk about how they're getting all wet all the time and like they're constantly attacking the men to have sex with them. And it reminded me of a little while back. I read a really crappy book on a flight because Amazon had done some kind of thing where like, Oh, you could download an, uh, an ebook for free. And, and I downloaded some ebook and I forgot about it for like three and a half years. Uh, and it was a, <laughs> But they like they gave you a list of like 50 books that you could download for free. And I downloaded one and like never read it. And it was the only reason I downloaded it was because like the other options were like like a romantic a romantic thing. Like they were all like romance novels or uh, what was there was like it seemed like a whole bunch of like dystopian sci fi. And I was like, I could want like read a bunch of better ones of those. And nestled in there was this one little it was called a, uh, an extreme horror story called Octopus. And it's like every single woman in this book just constantly wants to have sex with all the men all the time. And everything is just an excuse to have sex and talk about boobs and clits and 
getting wet and vaginas and pussy. It's like, it's just, that's what the first half of this movie felt like to me. And I was like, I was repulsed by it on top of it being horrifyingly boring. I, I found it like just like a grody way for a bunch of dudes to write like some sex pot women and also make fun of a fat chick for wanting to get laid. And I found it repugnant. Here, uh, I so I'm curious what you guys take on what I'm about to say is, and I don't know. I I mean, the movie is so kind of all over the place. I don't know whether it was this is intentional on them or maybe it's just me trying to salvage some kind of messaging out of it that makes sense. But I was kind of turned off by just the idea idea that this woman's I guess abortion which I, we're not told and, and maybe this would have helped it, it it's maybe implied that it she was impregnated from a rape but we're not told so I I, I so I don't know um but it, there was this kind of lingering f- feel to me that you know this woman constantly being haunted by this this dead child who had had, and she had had an abortion and it has driven her to madness. I, I don't know. Like I, 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 and, and, and not only that, but it, it's driven her to rip out other women's reproductive organs. Like I got like a kind of uncomfortable, like pro life read from it, you know, that, you know, you know, maybe if you'd had this child and been a mother and fulfilling, you know, the the role that, you know, traditional Japanese women would have. And that kind of goes into uh, the uh, Sano's wife's deal with, you know, obsessing over the dead child. And, you know, it's it's made her basically insane. I don't know. That, that was something that in addition to the very valid points you're all making kind of turned me off i don't know if it's intentional or not i don't know if it's just me but i don't know i i'm i'm interested to hear if any of you had similar feelings i checked out on the movie by then okay so you didn't (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i think like the woman who has lost a child and that you know motivates them into violence against other mothers so that's like a pretty that's pretty well-worn territory almost like a trope in horror and like I don't know that I necessarily believe it always has like a pro-life bent to it. I don't know that I felt that in this as much as you did. And I, but I think that's like, for me, I think that's a failing in the movie again, because I, the reason I'm like listening to you and saying, I don't know, is just because I think this movie doesn't know what it's saying. I think the, mm-hmm. the messaging is just so muddled. You know, honestly, if this was a pro-life horror movie and like that was clear, that would almost like be more interesting to me. Like I almost wish yeah. I felt like this movie knew what it was saying. You like, know? Uh, like uh, there are there are like movies that I do not agree with their political bents, but I still like the movie. Like, uh, you know? <laughs> have it you seen the? Have any of you guys seen the Suckling? Uh, I have seen the Suckling. <laughs> I don't remember if the director of that admitted or denied that it was pro-life, but but for people who don't know, the Suckling is about an aborted fetus that gets flushed down a toilet and gets mutated and comes back as this really ridiculous looking monster and kills a bunch of people. Um, uh, 
but yeah, I, I don't know. Again, it, it could just be me trying to pull some something of substance out of this. But uh, um, um, uh, Matt, how did you feel? You're, you, I, I feel like you're usually sensitive to, to stuff like that. Yeah, so like, as someone who is probably going to be the most pro-life out of, out of the group, right? Um, I didn't get that vibe at all. And I say that because like the, the women are always the victims in this and the, the mother who's lost a child. Um, she is not just like shown that how she's lost her mind to the point where like her husband's leaving her. That's all she can think about. But then she also gets murdered. So I can't draw like a one-to-one comparison about mm. what this movie is trying to do and say with the abortion topic. And also, by the way, just something that popped in my head, we totally never mentioned. Uh, there's a there's a weird cult thing in this too. Where like, oh yeah, the the uh, so the 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 main character Aki works at a theater, and um, her boss apparently was married to this lady who started a cult, and he sends her to go there to get like basically exercised. So like they do an exorcism kind of thing, but it's just it's very the whole thing is bizarre and almost feels almost like unrelated to anything else that happens in the movie to me. I yeah, and then and then and then she just like dies, and he's like, "Oh, I didn't believe that anyway. I just thought since you had an abortion, was, you yeah, might like all, like, you might get every, something out of it." It's like what was wrong? Woman, Who does that? Like all the women characters in this movie are either victims or terrible themselves or like shown to be crazy. So like I, I don't I don't know what to I don't I'm with Trev I don't think this has any real substance because I don't know that if it had a message it knew what it was trying to say or I mean if it or though you know I, so I mean I don't know I, I there's not nearly is as much to really say about this one um, it it feels like some young filmmakers trying to do like a, a what they think like David Lynch does and just not having the confidence or the the skill set yet to to pull it off um so i don't know i mean i'm ready to go ahead and give ratings in, in unless there is an <laughs> objection fine. what's a good um, what's a good scale how many oh oh <laughs> uh, my scale will be what i thought was the f- the only the the visual in this that I thought could be considered fun or funny or entertaining, how many uh, women giving birth um, to Shiro Sano's head <laughs> do you give this out of five? Oh man, uh, oh, I was gonna say I, I might jump in first because I really hate it. Oh yeah, yeah, get it out, get it out, oh. get it out. So. <laughs> Not not only everything I've already said about how repugnant I found it, I also found it horribly boring. I was tremendous. I, I think I, I texted the group when I was like about three and a half hours into it and said the only thing, which the, the, the timestamp said I was only like 45 minutes into it. But um, I said that the only interesting thing that's happened so far is me recognizing Shiro Sano. Uh, that's. <laughs> That's almost how I feel about the entirety of the movie. Um, things do pick up like a absolute smidge. By then, I looked at the timestamp again, and I thought there was 20 minutes left, but the version I was watching it still had credits, and the trailer was tacked on to the end of that, so there was about five minutes left in the movie. Um, 
So I found it just tremendously boring. I hated the score. I don't know how you guys felt about it. I don't even like, remember it. I don't it remember was, it enough to hate it. It had, it had like a very like sitar kind of vibe to it. And it just made me feel like it played into a pretentiousness that this movie had that I couldn't, could not stand. Um, and also we didn't really mention that this like, it really looks like it's made for TV. Was this made for TV? Um, Cause it absolutely looks like it was shot on video. It looks bad. And I think it's like pretty incompetent. And so I'm going to go into my, I'm going to dip into my negative rating scale, which if you remember negative five out of negative five means it's like perfectly awful. Like it's an awful, awful movie, but I still love it. This is like a negative one. It's like incompetent and a boring piece of shit. (laughs) Some of that might've been the transfer. Like the one that we watched is like a VHS rip. Um, I know the the trailer for the restoration is out and it looks better, but I mean, who who cares? <laughs> I hated it. Yeah, I'm. I'm when I go on Letterboxd, I'm giving it a one. I gave it a one. Yeah, I'm with you, Tom. I I really struggle with this movie. It was boring, muddled, confusing, and just miserable. And I'm never gonna watch it again. And I don't recommend anybody else watch it. Um. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give it a two. Um, I've seen, I mean, in my book, one and half star movies. And uh, I've seen movies a lot worse. I've seen movies a lot better. Um, That's part of the problem. Well, I, 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 I wouldn't recommend it. But I mean, it, it is when I ask, could this be worse? It's like, yeah, it could be way worse. Um, part of the problem is that there are like worst movies out there and so this this is not even entertainingly bad <laughs> well i mean that well when I, if i give something like a zero or a half a star like it has to be like among the worst things i've ever seen and and the, i mean i don't i don't like this movie either but the truth is this is not even close yeah i mean Bird and, you... I really, Bird and i really have uh, plundered the depths of like 100 movie horror packs you know to see like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, would so, you rather watch this or Dragon Lizard Lords? I would rather watch Dragon, Dragon Lizard, Lizard Lords, Lords but I'm not going to pretend it's. I'm not going to buy. I I would never say it's better than this because it's not. Um, I, I mean, but I I have seen so much worse, and the the worst thing about this is that it's boring. It is not. I mean, and and if if that's the worst I can say about something. It, that's when it, it gets like a two. It's boring. It's forgettable. I'll, I'll forget all about it the next day. I So I don't have the vehement hatred. I, I can't muster up the strong enough feelings to have the vehement hatred for, hatred for it that you guys do. I, I just can't. Um, so I, I, I'm at a two. I mean, I'm, I'm with you, Bert. I, I, I don't like this movie. I agree with like everything everyone has said, but I didn't hate it on the, on the fiery level that Tom did. I, I gave it a two as well. Because I think as boring, as nonsensical, as muddled as it is, um, as amateurish as a lot of it is, I do think there are at least for me, there's some visuals and a few like striking moments. And if there's if like that's in there, then I'll give it like, you know, the least bit of credit I, I can. And like to me, I, I'm kind of with Bird in that I've seen movies that like I've seen movies that I react to the way Tom reacted to this. And those are the ones I would save my like ones and ones and a halfs for where I'm just like, oh, I'm like angry. What, and, what's like. like- 
an example? I'm just curious. Like, what what would be like an example? I mean, honestly, most of those examples will be stuff you haven't heard of. But like, but like, <laughs> I have seen like you know, if anyone wants to know, like, go go find a movie called Hip Hop Locos, uh, which to this day I think is the worst thing. <laughs> I've ever yes, seen. we we yes I yes I have uh, I have brought Hip Hop Locos up. And times, yeah. Told, yeah, I've told people, look, just go Google it if you don't believe me, because there's worse <laughs> out there. Yeah. So I think, I mean, that's probably as good a note to end on. Um, if you watch this and think it's the worst thing you've ever seen, you are. But I will just say, can a, I just read? Because I was proud. I was proud of this. My my review for my letterbox review for this. Oh, so. that that's a great way to end. Yeah, because it's the movie's Evil Dead Trap Two Hideki, and I, my entire review is just Evil Dead Crap Poo Hideki. <laughs> It's a real spinal tap uh, shit sandwich <laughs> review there. <laughs> um, all right, so yes, there was an Evil Dead Trap 3, which I don't even know if JHV made it. Um, and uh, it was actually uh, Ikeda, the director of the first one, and Ishii, the writer, um, made it, but it was not an Evil Dead it was never called Evil Dead Trap in Japan. Um, it was just for ignore foreign the markets. Fact, ignore the fact you run a Japanese sci-fi fantasy horror podcast, right? So take take that piece out of the equation. Someone comes up to you tomorrow with a pristine copy of Evil Dead Trap 3 and says, Here, sure. watch this. I mean, it it, it has I, nothing to do with it. It has absolutely nothing to do with any of these. It's supposed to be worse. It's supposed to be the bad one. <laughs> but but we don't. But again, we don't know why anyone says that. We you know. So I mean, I would give it the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if it's someone that thinks it's going to be like a gory exploitation thing and it's just like a weird thriller, I mean, it could be as easy as that. That is a thought I had because I, I said the same thing originally where I said like, oh, my God, I could never watch three if that's supposed to be the bad one. I hate it. And I hated two and I wasn't super into one. But then I realized, well, the people who are saying that's the bad one are the people who are like raving about these two movies. So maybe my opinion would be completely different. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so. Uh, that said, I mean, don't rush to watch it. Yeah. yeah I mean, if, if I stumble across a watchable copy, I might check it out. But, you know, I'm not. You know, I'm not going to seek it out or anything, you know. If it falls into my hands, then sure. Um, all right, so uh, I guess that's Evil Dead Trap. Uh, I know these are popular movies, so, uh, you know, um, maybe this was contentious for, for some listeners. But um, uh, I guess I guess we're good there, unless anyone has anything. No, all I'm right. Good. All right, so uh, we'll see you next time, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.